Hi folks, and a little bit of housekeeping before we start the podcast. We have another bumper week ahead. Uh, we are going back to Colombia to talk to Nicolas de Leal about the wonderful speech by the new Colombian president, Gustav Petro. We will be covering events in the US with John Schwartz. And we have Kate Nickel, MLA, joining us from Belfast to discuss what is and is not happening in Stormont. That's just three of, I think, about six currently in the diary, all of which will be available as quickly as we can turn them around on patreon.com forward slash tortoise We rely on you. If you can, please help us keep these mics on. Just click the link in the podcast you're listening to right now and you'll get access to all of our back catalogue and the podcast as quickly as we get them. All in one place, plea free. One more time, patreon.com forward slash tortoise and enjoy the podcast. Hello and welcome to the Tortoise Sunday Special. Today we're joined by Barrister Sean Grant from Northern Ireland. We're joined by Chuck the Dollar, Dan, uh, Paul Murphy from People Before Profit. And we're joined by Councillor Daniel Woolley. Daniel, I think we're going to go to you first. Tony, is that right? No, no, not right now. I want to actually talk about a couple of really <laughs> quick things at the outset, <laughs> if that's okay. Um, please go check out Connor McCabe's work on the anti-poverty report on, on County Clare. I know it's come up before, uh, but the, we linked to it in this podcast because it, it kind of lost traction really quickly. But some of the stuff that was in it, you know, I, 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 I've, tra- I've traded barbs with Connor down the years and everybody knows that, that he, but, but he, he's done some really good work there. Another thing that Martin, that we've talked about on this podcast a lot is the um, mother and baby home report. Yes. The UN coming out and saying that the redress scheme is inadequate. I think that's really good. I think it's really, it's, it, it may help put more pressure on the state because they've really fucked that up. Excuse my language already. And um, the other thing is that the Labour uh, Party UK thing, Al Jazeera um, report into it is very, very interesting and people may not have picked up on that. There's another there's another two, I believe, uh, pieces of that to come out. But but some of the stuff that's gone on like is is just it's it, like you read the actual documents, the PDFs, it shows you very clearly what went on when they had what was possibly their first socialist leader in about 30 years and how he was treated. So, yeah, so it was kind of thing. I would, I would just try to direct people in, the, in, in that direction, but, 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 but Dan, um, look, I know you're under time pressure. I know you're, you're stepping out. So we will come to you first. I know the entire, first of all, full disclosure, I didn't know Fingal was a place until this week. Um, <laughs> and then, and then on the back of that, though, I found I like I found myself like down. I've, I've spoken to you online for for a number of years now, and uh, uh, but it must have been insane to the point where now, and I'm going to say this honestly, you you find yourself, and I would say misrepresented on the front page of the Sunday Times, and uh, the target of a huge pile on uh, because uh, J.K. Rowling happened to get involved. So. What I think bothers me the most about all this is this feels like the most normal, generic response from any corporate account that sees really weird stuff happening on their follower and block list. Uh, and what's happened is uh, how I would see it was uh, a few friends of mine sent me links saying that the Fingal Libraries account, which wasn't a big account anyway, had blocked them after that asked whether they followed some transphobic accounts. I said, this is kind of weird behavior. My, I'm studying cybersecurity. So my, my moment uh, is it hacked? Is someone using it for personal reasons? And myself and Karen Power, another counselor in Fingal, went to uh, the head of comms and the exec and was like, is everything okay here? Honestly, I wasn't expecting much. I 
was thought it was either hacked, but someone's using it for personal reasons. They'd get a, a talking to, get the restrictions lifted. Everything would be grand. We put it out on our social media saying, this is what's happened. And then it just got picked up. And I feel like once that ball went downhill, it kept on going and going and going and going and going. And next thing you know, I, I had to put on private. And when I found out I was going to be on the front page, I just, I deleted my Twitter. It was better to just not be on it. I know that if I was on private, I'd still ask, I could still be searching myself up or seeing what people are saying. Mm. And it's just better to just be off the platform altogether. Uh, just, just I want to be very clear on this. We have several Twitter accounts that we operate under the Tortoise Shack, and people have various mm. access to it ourselves. And but like myself and Martin would often had blazing rows going. Listen, if you're going to call that guy a walking bollocks, do it on your personal Twitter account. Don't do it on on the X podcast one and various things. You know, we 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 try and select why there's very low numbers in terms of people even followed. Say on, for example, the Tortoise Shack account or the um echo chamber so it's not unusual but there's but this was an actual this is the equivalent of, of an, an an employee following these accounts and then taking umbrage when being questioned about it so it just seemed to me that this is really is mountain out of molehill territory here dan completely and i, I like to, to some extent i understand jk rowling a huge author of, of of harry potter and I, I don't follow her and i would never follow her on and I've completely been turned off Harry Potter, but I understand why a library account would, especially if you're not tuned into it. But there was other accounts there. There was, there was Alan and Bailey, Jensek, I think was another one. These are not massive authors that have transphobic views. These are transphobic accounts. And and I just, I, I have my thoughts, I point that out to the council and there would be an internal investigation. And the council exec looked at that and went, that's, that's not us and we're suspending. That was not asking for us to be suspend, for us asking to suspend the account. We just highlight that to them. And that was their response. And then again, obviously, because JK hopped on, the headline is now what it is. And it takes a, it really twists the, the whole narrative because it's, it's not about JK at all. It wasn't. The headline was about JK Rowling. And even the tweet by John Burns was was irresponsible. It was calling yeah. for another pylon by tagging in JK Rowling, looking for that to, to gather more clicks. And I have to, you know... I, I almost got annoyed earlier saying to people, stop bloody sharing it because you're sharing his yeah. front page and he was so happy about this. But it was, you know, it's it's irresponsible. And we see, unfortunately, there is this ease of which, you know, I can point to a very well-known award-winning journalist who, who helped take down malfeasance in the FAI, who has rebranded as a... Um, someone who comments on trans rights now all the time. And it, it's kind mm. of concerning that that is becoming a way of actually gaining notoriety so yeah like i mean we talk about it quite a bit but we we keep saying oh at least we're not as bad as the uk but we seem determined to want to um invite those culture wars in in lieu of what we'll come to later with paul maybe um the uh inequalities it's easier to deal with these things than than deal with the actual things can i can i ask you joe just personally though what did you think yourself in terms of the, you know, how how does this matter come resolved and are you just hoping that people will move on? So at the moment, I, I'm, I'm pretty busy. As you can see, I'm working on my other job and I'm going back to college at night now. Part of me kind of wants this to just disappear. I have so many other things going on in my life and it's a huge stress. I couldn't sleep last night because I never thought I'd end up on the front page over such a like, menial matter. It's it's To me, it's kind of reminds me of the Enoch Burke thing. The fact that broke a high court injunction, of, of course, there's going to be repercussions. Why do we make this mountain out of a mohill and then give people the platform for this? 
but obviously again like not, 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 it's, not, it's, not to kind of go down a, a, it's a, a clickbait a, daniel it's click completely yeah you know, that's what it is um but I, I'm, I'm left kind of just kind of hoping it, it goes away fingal are in their final round of their development plan where there's a lot of rezonings happening and that's an extra 70 out of me 70 hours of meetings so from three to ten three days a week I, on top I, of my I, schedule I, I, I should i should be going after you for um for uh killian woods story in the business post about uh leasing properties that were leased back oh, to yeah. a fund that's linked linked to a, an arms an arms dealer daniel but but unfortunately Hold up. huh Please send that on. I haven't seen that yet. Yeah. So, so, oh, look, we've, we, there's a ban on, on, on dealing with some of these companies yet. On, yet the, mm. the state is in a position whereby we're leasing properties. Some, I think 24 of which are in Fingal again, full disclosure. Oh, I wow. didn't know Fing, Fingal existed until this week. And um, it, um, it's strictly speaking, Fingal doesn't exist. And as somebody who was born in North County, Dublin, and it's on my birth cert, it says North County, Dublin. It does not say Fingal. So, Fingal. Fingal strictly doesn't exist. It's can, it's North County Dublin. Can I can I invite if any of our panelists if they want to have a comment on on this situation? Because I know, and again, feel free to 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 wave it on. But folks, I just think it's crazy. You end up on the front page of of a Sunday newspaper, and because of on on the on the grounds of one of these comments, it's just insane. Well, I just I, think it's insane, Tony Paul. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean. I think this is their MO in a sense is to um, try and create things that look like crazy controversy because they can't come out and just say we're not in favor of equal rights for trans people. We're in favor of discrimination against trans people. They, they don't they know they can't win that argument. So in a sense, they, they want to say, oh, we're the ones who are being canceled. Look, it's a library following an author. What's the problem with that? As opposed to like. Yeah, in any other circumstance, like if you have a like a, a library account being run as a private political account, pe- people have the right to follow in their private Twitter accounts whoever they want. You know, views that I disagree with, no problem. That's their, but it's a library account. It obviously shouldn't be used for that. It's not a massively controversial thing. I mean, you know, I'd say if you had a Fingal library account that was following people before profit, cost of living coalition, the tortoise shack, you know what I mean? Was following a series of left-wing things. Someone else would say, oh, that's not really appropriate. And you couldn't really make an argument that it is appropriate um, because for someone in their personal account to do it, that's fair enough. But this is like Fingal Library. Fingal Library as a building and an institution presumably does not have a view in terms of uh, trans rights. I know I think it's really fair. Sorry, Shauna, go ahead. I just think we're past the point of acting innocent in in terms of... uh, media outlets letting on that they think oh um putting somebody on blast as to have daniel and others is is to the uh and uh gcs is the way they've rebranded themselves and that's let's kind of keep it nice and civil in the describing that but and that's not what i want to call them but the pylon that you receive from them um is something else and i i actually think that's the right thing that you did daniel to um kind of cut the oxygen off that because you cannot ration you can't ration with them because exactly as you said Paul they're not open to reason and it's their 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 motivations are not based on decency, respect or anything rational. It's totally rational. Um um look I'm trying to yeah, well, kind of couch my argue, words. Yeah. You can't you, you argue can't, with ignorance and hatred. With, yeah. No, yeah, you, can't. you can't. And and um, the basis of that is it's vicious. It's amongst the most vicious trolling and response you will get 
if you dip your toe into that. And um, apart from anything else, for me personally, as grown up, um, libraries are supposed to be the safest place. Libraries are a safe space for everybody um, to explore all views and to be welcomed. They're a refuge for a lot of people. Um, and to have, I think it's it's much worse to have um Say does instead of a county corporation or any other kind of uh, service provider by a you know for, a state service provider following this, I think a library. There's something for me personally feels it, it's really um, sinister for to turn a place like that into someone's personal uh, kind of exclusionary zone when when uh, for, it should be the exact opposite. Library should be a place where everybody can be, uh, you know, you go there, respected, have your own reading, have research your own views, be who you are. For me personally, I used to hide in them in school mm. because I found them to be like, I've been on first name terms with librarians and everywhere I've lived and studied because of the very, um, fact that there are places where people should be able to go and be themselves and um i i think it's i think the irish times know what they're doing too um and i think ireland has pro- proven that um the the moral panic about trans rights issues is, is a misnomer i mean self-id has been going on for so long here and working well and people are safe supported being themselves there's no there's no uh, stats that prove that there's any, you know, um, you know, as a woman, as a feminist, as a, a vocal feminist campaigner out roaring on the streets and getting pushed back by cops for it. Uh, never, the, the people that give me bother, definitely not ones that use self-ID, um, but uh, so solidarity to Daniel. I'm sorry well, that's happening. Dan, you wanted to come back in. I just want to make one point. Obviously, yeah, yeah, there is a boycott on the Irish Times, but it was the Sunday Times that put you on the front page. But also on the on the flip side of that, I'm reminded, about, particularly on libraries, Patrick Frayne once wrote a brilliant piece about the, the sanctity of, of libraries and how they're used and how they, they support communities. So sorry, Dan, go ahead. I just wanted to come back in and say that. It, so I'm, 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 a, I'm a cis man. And for me, the language that was used by these people was was traumatizing to me. And I'm I'm not the people that they're targeting, and 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 it's really fearful the language you use, and you, you see the same language coming from other hate groups around racism, around homophobia, and around other other groups like that. And it's it's really I don't understand how people classify this as a as a debate or as a choice. If someone wants to identify as as a man, that's their choice, and you respect that as a society, as a person. And it and it really bothers me seeing that language. And now seeing people who would either either are big, are trans and struggling to come out, then realizing that the world that how hard it will be for the world to accept them, and even online, a space that I think years ago that we would all find our own safe space, our own communities online, that that in itself is a dangerous place to be, and it's a, I guess it's a place where people feel like they can be themselves unfiltered years yeah. ago, and that's not the case anymore. Yeah, I have said it loads of times. If you don't have uh trans people in your in your group and um, then you don't really get to talk about trans people and even if they're in your group you're if they're in your group you're supportive but you know you don't get to talk about their lives and uh, you can't keep othering them you just can't keep othering people tony back to you buddy I'm just thanks, Dan. Thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. I know it was a short notice and I appreciate it, but I do need to move things on because there's been a lot of things happening this week. 
Paul, we will come to you next, but actually I think the sequence we need to change it up, Martin, because it shows yet again the the othering and the identification. And, and there was a quote that I found interesting, and it was from um, none other than I think the the uh, Bishop of Derry, where where he said um, that the, the with the results of the Northern Ireland census, that comparing numbers of Protestants to Catholics reinforces a very unhealthy stereotype and an inaccurate analysis that the problems in Northern Ireland really were a theological problem rather than a political problem. Shauna, I know it's it's unusual that we kind of try and say we need to move beyond the um, all of this rhetoric that we've seen. It's not that it's not... Um, important that that we've seen the demographics change it's not that it's not important that we actually look at this from the census perspective but i uh, was was there people in search of a grievance this week in my opinion saying that you know i because i didn't see much lording of this this big move i uh, other than some like i know i saw the irish times read with led with the headline more catholics than protestants for the first time um, I didn't see it as much from from other people. I, I saw people talking about what do we, what does this tell us? What was your take on it? Sorry, you're on mute. Sorry, you know when a kid falls and they're about to do this, <gasps> and they're about to cry. So you go, it's okay, it's actually so fine, so it's fine, it's fine, fine. You left a big hole in the road, and I'm not. That's what it felt like to me. So felt like we had a, a signal that the you know the results were good. Results were going to come out, even though it's announced like results as if it was a test that we were all braiding towards and then <laughs> we won. Uh, you know what I mean? But, uh, uh, you know, we had a, you know, a leak that this was going, this was going to be kind of the, the, the stats that were going to come out. And everyone was like, well, you know what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whatsoever. And I'm like, that's a privilege to say it doesn't matter because for my family and me and everybody, it did matter. And it mattered, it ricochets the whole way through generations. So my grandfather was run out. We have a Ulster Scots name, Grant's a very Protestant surname. So he could hide in the shipyards and he did. Then he physically had to hide because he was run out by, uh, he was run home. He ran and he tried to get jobs locally, good paying jobs. And he, uh, he couldn't get a job for any longer than three or four months. And he had to go take the boat to, Liverpool and broke his heart because he had children here and he loved his children and he missed them. He made sure his sons all got good trades um, and got their papers for their trades. And it was an eternal mind-bending pressure to make sure that they got a secure, respectable background that nobody was going to run them out. My father was run out of three jobs when he was trying to get his apprenticeship. Then when I went to university, there's always this big talk about Catholics, and it's not really Catholic, it's more like Catholic background, which is a better description. They pull each pull you up. And my God, they were pulling me up like by my ears. They were saying, like, you have to finish your degree, you have to get in, you have to do that, you know, and this is your apprenticeship. Here's X, Y, and Z. We're speaking to other friends who are from a Protestant background. They don't get that result, they don't get that kind of help. Um, and I say help because it's more like a uh, you know, make sure, don't drop out, don't give them an excuse. And it's a psyche that stays with you. It's hard to get across to anybody who's never been told. Like everybody is kind of looking as, you know, a lot of people in power are looking at you as to say like, uh, you know, everything. I think Bernadette Devlin, I remember, you know, when she went over to um, do the tour <laughs> of America and uh, she, they, she didn't get the reception. Well, she didn't give them the speak that they wanted to hear. 
which was, you know, like, oh, the Irish are the bottom of everybody's shoe. And what we should do with that shoe is hit other people with it. Um, and she kind of said, no, to, to perpetrate those wrongs is, you know, a, a, you know, a, a, an almost a greater wrong to and um, so stop being so racist, Irish America, you know. Um, but what she said was how you're told that you're lazy, backwards, dirty, um, o- overbreeding. And I come from two very large families. My mom has 16 brothers and sisters. My dad has nine. Um, and that kind of, they were taught by everybody around them that that was somehow... <sighs> unacceptable. Kind of, yeah, unacceptable and, and kind of... Uh, Filthy. It's, it's a word I, I can't. It, it really is. It's hard to get out it's across. The life how of, that. What, what was the the, the Monty Python um, where they portrayed Catholics in a certain way and Protestants in a certain way that the mm-hmm. Catholics was just babies everywhere. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and like, you, there's no space in that analysis to say that there's someone like my grandmother who just loved children. And uh, you know, it was that. I mean, the other. But anyway, like. Uh, <laughs> the analysis that it didn't matter, it shouldn't matter, is the analysis that's better, I think, personally. I, I, my it first, shouldn't matter. My first question for Tony about it when I heard about it was um, how many children are born outside of marriage? Because just because you are, as, as you say, maybe culturally Catholic, doesn't necessarily mean that you are a devout Catholic. Many of these babies are born without without people being Martin, married, which uh, no, goes I, to show I, I, that I need, that I need to push back on that because Philip Ryan is going around and asking all TDs now when was the last time <laughs> they went to mass, and that's the, and, that, and that is crucial. Um, and and of course, you know, no, I just what, what was the mass? What was the sermon? If you say <laughs> yeah. yes, what yeah. was the priest wearing? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you yeah, get yeah, caught out. <laughs> <laughs> like when you come home on a Sunday, like oh yeah, I said the mass. <laughs> it's like it, I remember running. I remember my mother was well, is culturally Catholic, and I remember going to watch The Simpsons in a friend's house when I'd say to her, "I get half six mass on a Sunday." You know, that was that was the way around it. But um, but but I will say on the on the actual census itself, one thing that I found interesting was the age group not to fourteen in decline, and even though the population is up, there's a huge need in. Yeah, that there's a there's a there's and 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 I I think I said it on the pod during the week, Martin. To you, it's it's uh, controversial that um that people need uh pe- people actually say we we actually need more immigration <laughs> to yeah, uh, so, like I said, it's getting more diverse, but like it's still way behind kind of most. Uh, I think uh, I I mean I live very close to the border, so if I go down to Dundalk or you know where you get great shoes. Um, <laughs> it's much more diverse. Um, but I suppose if I was immigrating from somewhere, um, and I had a look at kind of what some of the kind of most famous features of a place, uh, I think the headlines were where from maybe wouldn't induce as much. But I mean, it only gets better and richer, and and um, you know, I think that would do everybody a lot more good. And there's an awful lot of um, within sectarianized separate communities. There's also um, an awful lot of uh, racism as well, which is atrocious. And, you know, that's part of moving forward is something that really needs to be worked on actively. And I know in, in a lot of community groups that I'm part of, it is something we're, we're trying to work towards. But like, as you're saying, Tony, the population is only getting older. Um, and um, I read that the reason why the Catholic jump happened, actually, a Catholic background jump happened is because that population is younger. And so they have like, you know, more 
of a breeding population. <laughs> it's just it's horrible rhetoric, it, it, you know, to reduce people. But it is the truth. It is actually the truth. They, mm-hmm. it, it's it's a younger demographic, so they're they're going to have more babies. Yeah. You know, it also shows that 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 hardcore Protestant uh, loyalist group needs to produce more children and the whole of Northern Ireland and the whole of Ireland needs more babies. There is going to come a day where the government will pay people to have babies. It's going to come. Oh, no, no, no. I thought we all, Paul, wasn't that an accusation made already about a year ago that um, by a certain Fine Gael counsellor that we're paying people now to have sex? Was that actually? (laughs) Oh, that's right. Yeah, I remember that. You said his name. Everybody except him. (laughs) Um, But look, I I see Sam has made a good point about the the decline in in the post Good Friday Agreement population. I I don't know, Shauna. What do you think? Do you, I I I'd like to think that that's kind of more of a homogenous European style family nuclear family than 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 the traditional family because you know we've seen the the smaller sizes of families now than rather than you know that that it's just two. What is it? Four point four is now the average as opposed to six point one. You know, twenty mm-hmm. years ago, sort of thing. There's, yeah. a, there's a good think, point made there by Sam in that that Shankill families from the 50s and 60s weren't small f- uh, families, you know, 9, 12. They were big families, too. So the change is relatively recent. But you're talking about changing one, two, three percent as well. I mean, that's that's another thing. I mean, people were getting like as if some was some massive win, which I don't I, I, I didn't. Don't understand that triumphalism either. Um, you're talking about a swing, a change, swing, a change of like two, one, maybe two, three, maybe three percent in terms of. Um, and I don't understand. I I understand the. Um, there's a collective trauma there that is never addressed and it's never acknowledged. And to just pretend that it didn't happen or tell everybody to move on when the fundamental, you know, foundation of the state and its apparatus was so. Uh, aggressively um, against a lot of the large, a large minority within it. And whenever you mention it, I've had to delete, the only ever time I ever had to delete my Twitter before was whenever I mentioned about my granddad being run out of Harlan and Wolf because I got such a pile on and they rang my work, they rang my email addresses were hacked, everything. It was, it was pretty tough. The second was a time I told everybody to wear sun cream and Irish America Twitter got hold of it and it became ridiculous. Yeah. But um, I remember that. Yeah. Um, but uh yeah, I mean if if that I feel like the the foundations are built on very, very poor quality sand. And if, if that was attempted to be addressed, we could build from onwards. I, I'm glad to see the rhetoric coming out of it from from politicians that have previously been very divisive, which would be to we need to build a shared society, which we absolutely do. Um and I I hope like going forward that the uh, so the only chance of survival of the union is to is to create something that is not so toxically um, anti. I'm not from not in the union in general, but from the people saying it that we need to build a, a union together. Are gen- a lot of them were the, were the people that are so aggressively anti Irish Language Act, for instance, which um, would take very little from their lives and and uh, probably enrich it a lot. But yet they preach about a shared society but can't quite bring themselves to say okay to that 
I, I thank Shauna for that this morning. I will draw, draw just just one because we spoke about Fingal earlier. Fingal in in Ireland has the highest rate of of uh, new children. Fingal is the the most uh, productive place in Ireland for children, and a lot of that is because Fingal men are great, just great, and and you know go out and meet them, and uh, they're great, brilliant. Go out and meet them, fabulous people. Are you this a dating app or a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to come to the cost of living protest yesterday, and myself and Tony were there. Really good turnout. We're not even going to bother with numbers because it's a nonsense game to play in the first place. There wasn't one. There wasn't a hundred. There was quite a few people there. So, you know, that's all you really need to know. There was a it was a sizable protest. Paul, what did you think? Good turnout. A lot of diversity in it. Young, old, um, um, a lot of different groups as well, which was nice to see a lot of different groups coming together. What did you think of it, Paul? Yeah, I thought it was a powerful protest i mean it's the biggest protest we've had in a long time maybe since repeal um and it comes after a period of like covid and you know there haven't been able to be that many active movements over quite a long period of time and it takes a bit of time for people to kind of shake the cobwebs off and um, so I, I thought it was powerful i thought that the government certainly will have been watching will be concerned will be under pressure for their budget on Tuesday. Like you say, I, I thought, you know, very broad coalition. Um, so real great mobilization of people from Donegal, lots of people down about Micah, people protesting about um, redress for people in apartments and duplexes, um, children with additional needs, obviously a range of political parties, PBP, Sinn Féin, Social Democrats, the unions, loads of students, real focus on housing. Actually, if you look at the placards, people made themselves as like, you know, we, we always talk about a cost of living and housing crisis because they're one and the same. They're both driven by you know an economy based on profiteering. Um, so I thought it was very good. Um, it's like, I'm not under any illusion, to be honest, that the government's going to say, oh, there was lots of people out on Saturday and now we're going to do what's necessary so people aren't affected by the cost of living uh, crisis, that people are protected. So the movement's going to go on. The, the next step is going to be regional and local protests on the 12th of November, kind of like what we did with the water charges, where we would kind of alternate between big national demos, get everyone together in, in Dublin, um, and then local stuff which can be easier for people to attend which means you're building more kind of real roots in local communities which is necessary to build a movement that can sustain itself because it's going to have to go on we're going to have to keep the, the fight up paul can i ask though again in the broader coalition i liked i i noticed you admitted labor and i know labor weren't there at the outset but they appeared yesterday to slightly standing standing off to one side but they, but they were there nonetheless um there is a, there is a need for that to become more representative of the wider broader left as well and that that coalition there's space to there's space to grow it um i was listening to some of the contributors yesterday and i actually you know what i found most comforting personally and i'd be interested to get your thoughts on it was the the number of students involved for usi phd graduates all of these people trying to um put that together that looked much more much different to say the housing march that we were at a few <laughs> last year we were at there, there wasn't that representation this was different there what do you what do you take away from that where you saw a lot of, a lot more of the of those 
that locked out generation that haven't even that haven't even graduated yet. Yeah, well, you look at the figures recently. What was it like? Close to seven in ten young people talking about emigrating. There's just a sense that there's no future for young people in this country. Um, obviously, in response to that. Various right-wing commentators say, oh, Sherry, you've never had it as good. Everything's Look fine. Look at this graph. <laughs> Look at this graph. There's five, exactly. Look at this graph. But it's 500,000 young people um, still living at home uh, after they've reached an age where they would like not to be living at home. Huge um, crisis in terms of being able to afford to rent. Obviously, huge crisis in terms of being able to afford to buy a home. Um, people's wages just not keeping up with all the costs that are flying up. Um, so it's, it's huge. Um, I mean, I, I think young people have been at the heart of this kind of big leftward shift in Irish society over the past number of years. Um, and then thankfully that's now matched by, you know, a real engagement by the students union movement in the coalition, like USI, when all the coalition meetings I've been at, they're very much active participants in the movement. Um, and then even like I've done a lot of local meetings around the place with the coalition again almost everywhere you'll have a kind of local students union speaker like i was down in carlo as a local students union speaker I was down in waterford there's a local students union speaker so they on a grassroots level the students unions themselves are quite involved in terms of mobilizing people which is which is great because in a way you know i, I think that yesterday was like I mean, I, I met a lot of people who were like, you knew me from the water charges. We went on loads of protests together at the water charges. That generation of people coming back out, that's kind of a backbone of it. But then also a whole generation of people who were like in their young teens when the water charges happened, which is quite a while ago now at this it did, stage. It did have that water charge, that right to water feel about it, Paul. It certainly did. Um, do you think that the, the, the protests, well, look, they were on bitching about the protests and and we met small business owners and aren't we fabulous yesterday once oh, they gosh. saw the price so you know ten, it definitely ten were at that i heard but you know do you think that it will have an impact i mean the budget is going to happen next week eating bread is soon forgotten nobody's problems are going to be solved by this budget we know that We'll come out the other side of it. 48 hours later, it's going to be like it never happened. Um, do you think after that, that the protest then has an opportunity to build that somehow the yeah. the promise of what's coming from the budget has sort of people go, oh, we'll just see what happens with the budget. Maybe we'll get a bit of help. I, I, yeah, I, I think this is going to get bigger um, because I agree. I mean, what the government is going to do in the budget, certainly what it looks like they're going to do is not going to be sufficient. You know, the big... The big line is 600 euro energy credit, but at the same time, you have simultaneous headlines saying the government predicts that energy bills will be 6,000 euros. You know, so you're giving people 10% of what they need. And the other big factor, though, I think, is when the bills actually hit. Like at the moment, all of us are thinking, you know, oh, look at these prices. We have to, you know, our year has gone up since the last time you changed your electricity provider. You're meant to change them again. You're looking around, Jesus, look how expensive it's going to be. But there's a difference between feeling it's going to be very expensive and actually having to pay for oil or for gas as well as the electricity. You know what I mean? The, the winter hasn't started yet. So I think that's like a month or two down the line. Mm. Unfortunately, I mean, we don't want this to be the situation, but literally, I mean, right now, one in two families almost are affected by energy poverty, i.e. they're spending 10% of their income on energy, which just puts them in a very unsustainable position. But then within that, are literally hundreds of thousands of people who are going to be faced with the choice of heating or eating. And it kind of goes beyond, I mean, every year I'd meet 
you know, older people, if you're going door to door who are like wearing loads of jumpers, will tell you they only keep one room a little bit heated or whatever. Like that, unfortunately, that's a feature. It shouldn't be in our fifth richest country in the world, but it's it's much broader than that now. I, I, you know? I, want, I want to come in and just show one. Um, this is a direct quote from a, an economist in the Irish Times yesterday. Before taxes and transfers, Ireland is the 33rd most unequal country in the world in a ranking where 35th is the worst position and first the best. But after taxes and social transfer, Ireland is 13th, moving in line with other European countries. The poorest people in Ireland are 5% bottom, are 63% richer than the poorest people in the UK. This is all done in, in the in the context of saying how great we are. But that shows what they actually don't realize is what they're actually doing is telling them themselves that there's a huge, huge baked in inequality into our market income inequality and our dependency upon social transfers mm-hmm. to do the heavy lifting. So when you're telling on yourself and you don't realize it, you're what you're actually saying is effectively, I've never relay, relied on children's allowance to to buy to get the shopping next week or you know the family income supplement to make sure the rent was paid or the or the hap scheme or whatever it is so there's a lot of that and that is going to come unfortunately we can talk those numbers but behind all of those numbers is going to be households and they're in the tens of thousands of households that are going to feel that pinch and it's really so the only thing I'll say on the flip side this to come to Shauna is you had a mini budget in the UK that 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 just what literally went. Listen, lads, what the real way out of this is to give the one percent. Oh, Tony, a, it was a the break. budget that Fine Gael would so dearly love to give. It was that budget. It was. No. I mean, Fine Gael would love to put out that budget. They'd love to put it, and their supporters would lap it up. Shauna, I think those mini budget is in like <laughs> it just said uh, effort. I don't know, sorry, but uh, we're just going to do it. And uh, I think it was not like four tax cuts announced on that. So it is a mini budget in that they just said we're going to have a mini budget next year because we're going to have no money for public services. And um, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I do a side stint to um, fund my uh, uh, community work in corporate law and the markets. Uh, I used to investigate, my previously used to work for uh, Hunter Down and investigating and prosecuting market fixers and traders, uh, FX particularly. And I know FX traders, my friends, some of them are still working on that prosecution because, um, you know, there's a big appetite to prosecute those guys. Mm. And um, the markets were delighted with this short in the pound all over the place. I mean, the money yeah. to be made by, I, I think, say the 5%, but it's not even 5%. It's like the 0.5% that really be rubbing their hands with glee at this. And, uh, I mean, they're, they're UK-based funds short in their own pound. And, and, but that basically is hedging or betting against your the, the country plummeting. I mean, it's just... It's macabre. It's disgusting. It's my dad's a plumber, and so that's somebody who sees the impact of the. I mean, we over sixty-five. I think 67 percent of homes in the north here are heated via oil. And if you, we, um, and I don't, I don't know if that's the same in the south, but I know that if you don't, if you run out of oil and keep your system running, you get airlocked, and you need to get. If you don't know, or you want reared by a plumber, you need to get somebody out to unlock that and that's what he's doing um already it's cold enough already for older people to, to need to put on their heat and they're relying on they're buying small drums of oil 15 quid ago instead of getting a fill they can't get it and they're pouring them in 
systems getting locked. It's like uh, Terry Pratchett's you No know, Grounds about theory about not theory yes. but about being poor. Of course it is, and he's just running around people unlocking their system. He's uh, he's not charging them anymore for it. But I mean, it's it's so sad, and and like you said, like this two hundred quid. Um, they're eventually going to get their backsides together. I think they'll get the money out of 200 quid to people. I mean, that'll, that'll, the way money, price of fuel is going, it's got like two, that, that's a part, that, and I thought that was funny because that kind of equates to the tax savings, the 200 pound that we'll get, you know, the most people, because like Northern Ireland's a low wage economy mm-hmm. and most people are, are on that lower bracket. There's a lot, I, I tweeted yesterday, I was down in Kildare Village mind blown by the wealth on display there um i mean i, I lived in sydney and, and london before and i know the wealthy outfits i know that costume that paired back it's not even the and i just couldn't get out could not oh, believe the concentration of it there there's there's two there's there's very definitely two Ireland's. yeah, oh, yeah, uh, yeah very it much. was astounding Astound- like i lived in when i lived in dublin and i trained in kings and i thought i saw it there you know, where you know, taking the bar down there, and I thought, I no, I did not. Can, can uh, I ask one, one, one? Go to Paul very quickly, Paul. You, you must be delighted though, because you're getting another pay rise as well, and um, it's, 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 it's wiping, it's wiping the floor with all of these, uh, these issues that we're all worried about. I think TDs are getting is it another six thousand, six yeah. and a half thousand, which hundred grand. It equates to three twenty an hour. When the minimum wage has risen by eighty cents, so yeah. there's your there's your income or inequality of income right there. That's it. Yeah, and I think it's just going to enrage people further, like rightly so. Do you know what I mean? The idea that TD is giving themselves what, like you know, almost an inflation-linked increase whenever okay, yeah, whenever ordinary people aren't getting it, obviously. We we don't. I definitely don't see any of that. All, all of that goes back into the community and campaigns and things like that. We don't. Um, we don't take that because that's the point is that like um, TDs shouldn't be living lives that are just wildly out of touch with the people they're meant to be representing. They should be on an average wage of people. And we had a classic example of this during the week um, in terms of you were saying about Fine Gael kind of telling on themselves. You had Josepha Madigan talking about how the some Sinn Féin budget proposal was discriminatory because those over 70,000 euros in, uh, income wouldn't be getting anything because and like sure they're having it hard in terms of you know the cost of living crisis as well and like there's two sides to that one like obviously it shows no recognition of the reality that life is a lot harder when you're on the average kind of 30 35,000 euros a year than it is when you're on 70,000 but the other thing is like I, I don't deny that there are people who like you know will find things tight now on 70,000 if you're a single income I mean they they're the Sinn Féin proposal in fairness is for based on one income it isn't a couple on 70,000 mm-hmm. Um, so if you were a single parent um you had a couple of kids with 70,000 things could be tight but Again, doesn't that illustrate the problem, Mike? Doesn't that illustrate the problem yeah, yeah. in terms of the, the lack 11, of social way public ele- services? Eleven, eleven years in power, and like I made the point during the week on one of those podcasts that we can never put out publicly. That um, you know, in fairness to Josefa, that she uh, 
She knows all about discriminatory practices when she recommended none of the land be used for traveler accommodation in her um, constituency. So she's she's well versed in it. And if you're going to employ her as a, as a barrister, say Maria Bailey did, I'd say you'd need to be earning in excess of seventy thousand. Um, so there's, there's a long history there. But I find and then hopefully high high, un- high income is like a protected characteristic. <laughs> yes, <laughs> discriminated against. Like clearly, like we're, we're preparing for like a future left socialist government, and we're like, oh, it's very discriminatory against the rich. With their wealth taxes and so on. You know? Well, actually, that's the one thing I would do want to mention. Two really quick things. Go back and check out the conversation we had with Kieran Nugent. It was great about the fact that we don't have a ten- pensions time bomb. We have an, a, an inability of to collect, particularly employers, PRSI and, and, and those revenues that are available. Where I think it's the third least in the OECD. Um, and then the other thing on that is the re- relation to the thing. What Fine Gael did by dunking on the expert tax commission was just phenomenal. I mean, that was something that was put together by the state. It wasn't a gang of lefties or communists or socialists. Or it was, you know, you're talking about people like the ESRI here. You're talking about people. Yeah, yeah as like, you said, Tony, anti-intellectual is what it really is. It, it was, but it was only anti-intellectual because it was. It reminded me of like you've you've paid a driver to 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 bring you somewhere, and then you're unhappy with it after you've gotten to the destination that you knew you're going to arrive at that we needed to do something about wealth taxes and before it was even published they just decided to take a shit on it and i think that was really 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 unfair we're we're going to move on to ron i know paul has to head off paul if you have to head off that's fine no problem and thank you for coming on with us today thanks for having me on no problem tony no no just 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 one real thing on on iran it's very we've tried to source a couple of guests and it's been very difficult because people are afraid to say something in a public capacity. And you may have seen a, a thing on social media where it's asking people not to tag even Iranian people who are active in, in Ireland because for fear that they're being watched here. So whatever about the situation and the wider thing, I spoke to a friend of mine yesterday and kind of I came in with, you know, well, here's what we'll do. We'll arrange this Zoom and all the rest of it. And he said, you do realize um, one of my friends has just gone missing. He's gone. Yeah. And it kind of, I, I went, oh, uh, don't I feel like a fucking idiot? Excuse my language yet again. But I just really couldn't believe that I was talking to someone about coming on and doing this interview with me when one of their closest friends hasn't been heard from in, I think it was coming up on 36 hours at that stage. Uh, and, you know, the charge, it seems to be that, well, the idea is that maybe they were belligerent on social media about what's going on. So it's very, very um, and the, and troublesome. The thing that's happening in the world, Tony, is this sham referendum that's going on now in in voting Liz Truss into power. Yeah, no, that was no, not that, not that. Uh, that's one sham referendum. But Russian soldiers, you know, uh, making people vote in front of them. You know, all this stuff is is crazy stuff. It's it's insane stuff. And as you were pointing out, if if, if Russia have this referendum, th- that the aim is to say that a, a NATO ally has attacked Russian soil, you know, that's the bottom line on this. Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's just all part of a game. And I think we're going to see like we spoke to I spoke to Lesia Vasilenko, who was on the floor of the Ukrainian assembly during the week. And, you know, again, I, I hate having to caveat it myself unless you wouldn't share the exact same politics far from it. But the idea that, you know, she's sitting there and they're negotiating these things, trying to organize this. Meanwhile, the they're they're digging in for a long, prolonged battle that's it's gonna maybe might it might get a bit cooler over the winter, but it looks like it's not going to to 
stop in any in any quick way. And the other thing, Martin, that was really good. Killian Woods, I spoke to this morning. I when I say really good, really scary. One in ten uh, secondhand homes now being bought by institutional investors, and that figure is much higher in Dublin, folks. So and yeah, I've areas. heard a lot of that anecdotally, an awful lot of that. Yeah, well, we're gonna being outbated, we're, we're gonna cover that this week. Oh, and I don't know if anybody saw the brilliant speech by. Um, the Colombian president, uh, uh, Gustav Petro, I posted it myself. Some of the things he said at the UN uh, uh, on how his country has been abused. We're hoping to go back to Nicholas De Leal, who, who's been on the podcast a few times, the Colombian journalist, to talk to him during the week as well. So really looking forward to that because we were, you know, we, we saw Petro's rise. We didn't sure, we weren't sure he was going to get the, get the the win because when you think about it, Martin and, and Johnny, we've seen that like this week, the Swedes going far right. Italy today going far right, you know. There's a lot of scary stuff happening, but maybe maybe we can look to to, to the government of Gustav Petro well, and see ta- where. Even even talking about the UN, there's a, a thing that came up during the week about the Taoiseach flying business class to you know to where we had to go flying business class, and people were giving out the Taoiseach has to fly business class. Me and you had a little chat about this, Tony, and we said we'd ask people here today. I, I don't really see there's a problem with the Taoiseach fine business class um, you know I kind of expect that I you know different thing if if you know it was my 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 por- my properties are resting in my wife's portfolio that's a different kind of thing but you know taking business class flights for later of a country I don't really think that's the big storm that it is I th- was it a storm or was it a, did someone try to make it a storm because because I, 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 I know a couple of, a couple of newspapers led with it as a headline, and I don't know if it got much traction outside of a few people bought it. But literally, if he'd flown by SpaceX, I wouldn't really have given a shit as no, long no. as like at, at, at Paddy's Day when they all go off on junkets, they were all going, "We're flying economy, blah blah blah." Look, if you strapped yourselves to the wings, you're not going to impress anybody. Honest to God, you're not. Well, the, the, our, our, um, Michal Martin happens to be about six foot three as well. I don't think you sit him in coach and, and ask him to do, you know, six hours work on a laptop or whatever it is. And I know that sounds really shitty of me because other people have to do that. But I don't see I don't see this as an issue. I really don't. I don't see it as an issue. There's plenty of reasons to dunk on them for other Shana, things. Have you been right. business class flying? <laughs> I once in my life, I had enough points because I I. When I lived in Australia, I gathered points and I used to fly home for as a professional bridesmaid. Um, I think I was bridesmaid five times <laughs> in one year. And uh, I came back anyway. When we returned for when we emigrated back home, I had enough points and I'm five foot one when I'm really standing up. And my, hu- and my husband is six foot three. And so I didn't have to listen to him. I put him in business. And <laughs> Because on any flight I could cross my legs. I could sit, I could sit. But in terms of the T-shirt, I mean, I mean, if he was flying a coach or whatever, yeah. imagine somebody screenshotted his laptop from behind. I mean, the things that you can see, you know, from beside or behind. I'll never forget there was a guy um, who uh, was... Um, his he had sitting behind me and he had a whole row to himself and he draped his leg over the top of the chair facing me and his foot was like basically in my feet. I mean, I could have uh you, you can see so much <laughs> by Stop. when somebody is yeah. yeah. And uh so I mean of, of all the I mean there's so many terrible things happening at the minute and yeah, pressing I issues. Think, yeah, and no, I, I think I, I, 
I think it's it's kind of a misnomer. And the, the, my test for finding out if something's a very big deal and if it is affecting the, the consciousness is to speak to my very offline parents and to see if, if it's really uh, made kind of ripples there. And if I say, oh, someone's giving me a hard time on Twitter, they'll kind of look at me as if that's sort of vaguely embarrassing. Yeah. And like, well, <laughs> what, what are you getting upset about that for? And what is that wee bird that, you know, and you realise, okay, um, not to, I'm not... So that sounds like I'm taking away. No, no, you're not at the no, minute. No, I mean, it's, because it's just, no, but, but like it's a very fair point because we all, we, you know, again, if I was a billionaire in Scotland with a castle, I wouldn't want to spend my time um, using Twitter to to attack a library in in Dublin. Oh my you know god! I mean? Yeah, I was speaking to uh, who was speaking to during the week about that and saying like I don't think I would even you know have the app on my phone if I was a millionaire. No, 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 no. Like, Why would you? I would even, not be. There'd be nothing. Yeah. Nothing. I'd be, first of all, racked with the, the, the guilt of having that amount of money. Well, I, I wouldn't be a billionaire, but you know what I mean? Um, anyway, the lowest of the would be, would be attacking or pretending to be outraged about... <laughs> but they couldn't even stay where the library is, never mind. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, in terms of me flying business um, to America, I think it was too. It was a decent yeah, yeah, long decent, haul. It was a long it? haul, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So... Uh, I wouldn't be. I mean, uh, uh, if it keeps, you know, his, if he's working hard and, and you know, uh, well, we can debate. We, we, we can debate that in another way. But at uh, the same yeah. time, like, uh, I mean, no, no, let the let him let him fly uh, in a yeah, company. yeah. Let it's, him eat his cake. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's <laughs> not, I think more important on flights is anybody who puts tilts their chair back in coach there should just be an eject button just <laughs> eject them straight out look i'd like to thank everybody who came on today shauna thank you very much for spending some time i know paul is gone uh paul has gone off to do another interview with lesser mainstream media but he, he got to us they do, they do call him paul news talk murphy you know <laughs> just saying and, and to daniel of course and daniel doesn't know that we'll thank him on twitter but thanks very much daniel for coming on this morning and it's uh interesting to see to be in the eye of, eye of a storm mm-hmm. and thanks to everybody for coming on and listening to us look we'll be back again next sunday register early pass the word to your around to your pals we need more members we need more people following us more patrons so just pass the word on say hey look sunday morning don't watch in the weakest in politics go and have a listen to the tortoise shack it's a bit more interesting thanks again and have a great sunday <laughs>